Praise the Lord, brethren. Thank you, Carol, for taking us through this time of repentance. It was worth doing because actually this is where this teaching is basically uh, hinged. I will add on to your prayer, loving Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we again come before you in prayer. We thank you for yet another day that you have given us. We thank you for the many people who are logging in. We thank you because you have decided, Father, in your own way that we begin to hear your word, whether we are on the road or in our homes or even in the four corners of the church. Thank you, Father. This is the gift that you gave unto us as we emerged out of coronavirus. And so we thank you because your purposes are served at every moment. As we share your word this morning, I am praying that you release the power of your Holy Spirit to guide us, to help us, to understand scripture. For we know scripture was written under your own instruction. And so we receive you this morning. We receive you, Holy Spirit. Come down and let your name alone be glorified. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we have prayed. Amen. You know, um, the, I will read the scripture and then briefly I will run through what I have prepared and then we'll allow somebody to come in and do the, the, the intercession. I will use the New Living Translation reading from Isaiah 52 verses 1 and 2. This is how it goes in the New Living Translation. Wake up, wake up, O Zion, clothe yourself with strength. Put on your beautiful clothes, O holy city of Jerusalem, for unclean and godless people will enter your gates no longer. Verse 2. Rise from the dust, O Jerusalem. Sit in a place of honor. Remove the chains of slavery from your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. Praise the Lord. You know, when I read and I was preparing about this topic, something very interesting came on my mind. It reminded me of one time we were driving very fast and we, they were, there was a hen on the road. And we passed on top of the hen, but we did not kill it. But the hen knew it was dead, so it kept on the road. When we were at a distance, we looked through the mirror and we saw the, the hen was on the road, but the feathers were not flying, so we knew it was alive. We drove back by a reverse gear, and when we were getting close, that is when the, the, the hen knew it was not dead, and so it took off. That is what I get from this scripture, where you are supposed to be free, but even when God has said, because of the oppression on you, you can't even understand it. So you want to keep in that place of bondage. May God deliver us from that state of affairs in the name of Jesus, that we understand our call, that we hear the voice of God. And today we rise up to the occasion that we get off from the dust and begin to walk the way God is calling us to be. And so, you know, Reading these two verses, but also completing the whole chapter, 
you get the sense that this is a prophetic message of hope that points us to the church of Christ where he will be reigning as Lord and King. How do I know this? Because when we read the other part of verse one that ends it, he says that put on your beautiful clothes, O holy city of Jerusalem, for unclean and godless people will enter your gates no longer. That means this is a message for the end times. It is not in the past because the many times Israel was in captivity and they came back. The many times the temple was built and brought down. The godless, the unclean again entered Jerusalem, meaning this is a message for the end times. It is not exactly what it seems to be seen on the face. So this message is the message that is for us and indeed we need to understand it. Now, reading and hearing the tone of the writer saying, wake up, wake up, O Zion. It is very, very important that we hear that voice. I am calling on all of us this morning to wake up from our sleep, whichever way we have slept, whichever way we have been in slumber, may God release us because the message is a message of deliverance and we all need that deliverance. So the tone and repetition of wake up tells of the one who had lost hope. Somebody tells you, wake up, wake up. First time you have not had. Second time you are probably planning. It's a, a sign that somebody had lost hope completely. And I will read now verse two, because that is where I want to base my teaching. Basically, on verse two, because it is now the one that brings out the message clearly. It says, rise up from the dust, O Jerusalem, sit in a place of honor. Remove the chains of slavery from your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. If indeed it was not sin, if it was not for rebellion, if it was not purely lawlessness, the daughter of Zion would never be in captivity. It would never, because God himself is the one who started the nation of Israel. They would never. This is a picture of Israel in captivity. The children brought up by any design to show nations of the world how God can deal with the nation. But here they are in captivity. And we're not any different. We sometimes find ourselves in captivity. So there is a tendency for us to live a life of permanent condemnation, even when God has forgiven us through Christ Jesus. So we are called to awake from our sleep. And sometimes this sleep can really be very deep sleep. I want you to begin to look around yourself. Where have you been in sleep? Where have you been held captive? I heard Carol praying and saying that the shackles, let the shackles fall today in the name of Jesus. I want you to begin to look around yourself. Let it not be a message of the Bible. Let it be that it is applicable in your life. Where have you been held captive? And it is very, very important that today we understand it. So what exactly had enslaved Israel to the point that they didn't see a way of their redemption, even when God had ended it? To be told, wake up, 
wake up. What exactly had enslaved them? What was the problem? Now, reading from Isaiah 51, verse 17, you begin to understand, and I'll read it. Verse 17, he says, Wake up, wake up, O Jerusalem. You have drunk the cup of the Lord's fury. You have drunk the cup of terror, keeping out its last drops. Can you imagine? God was urging Jerusalem to wake up from the cup of terror to which they had dipped to its last drop. God intended that because of what you have done are not the right things, but rebellion, because you have not followed my instructions, because you have decided to have your own gods. Let me now punish you. And we do it even as parents. When a child is out of the way, you want to administer some pain, some punishment that the child can be realigned to the purposes for which you had intended him to be. And that is what God was doing. He's saying, you have been drinking the cup of pain up to its last drop. This was the cup of suffering that the Lord had brought upon them himself. You know, people want us to believe that God, God is a God of mercy, is a God of forgiveness, is a deliverer, and he's all of that. But he is also a father. And remember, he is a lawgiver. He is a king. And so he can administer certain, you know, judgments, certain punishments. And that is what we need to see God of. And I love Jesus. Him, he said that you fear God because these people can kill your flesh and they will run away, but will they touch your soul? And he said, fear him because he will kill you and take you to hell. With your soul, you are all in hell. So it is important that we begin to have reverence for God. Though he's a father, though he's a deliverer, though he's able to forgive, though he has mercy, though he is a God of endurance, though he is a God of long suffering, in all of these, at the end of the day, he can really come out and punish. So they were drinking up to the last drop of the suffering that God had inflicted upon him. So I want us to read, for example, um, Isaiah 51, verse 1 and 2, that we may understand where we are coming from. Isaiah 51, verse 1 and 2. This is how it reads. Listen to me, all who hope for deliverance, all who seek the Lord. And we are talking about us today because you are seeking for your deliverance. Listen to me, all who hope for deliverance, all who seek the Lord. Consider the rock from which you were cut, the quarry from which you were mined, verse 2. Yes, think about Abraham, your ancestor, and Sarah, who gave birth your nation. Abraham was only one man when I called him, but when I blessed him, he became a great nation. So Jesus was, point, God, uh, God was pointing them to their ancestor, Abraham. And so he was saying that when I started the nation of Israel, you were not corrupt. You were not kind of sinners. I started you as indeed a holy nation. That is why he's pointing them to Abraham and he's saying, remember the rock from which 
you were cut. The quarry in which you are, you, are, you are picked from. But when we read in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 1 and 3, up to 3, this is what it reads. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, confront Jerusalem with her detestable sins. Give her this message from the sovereign Lord. You are nothing but a Canaanite. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. This looks a contrasting scripture with the other one. It's like they are working in opposite direction. In Isaiah 51, verse 1 and 2, he's telling them that you came from a pure seed of Abraham. And so you should be realigned to the purposes of God. But in the other side of Ezekiel, he is saying that your father was an Amorite. Your mother was a Hittite. Is it that Abraham was both godly and evil? No, it is that the people lost the way of God. So when he says you have drunk from the cup of suffering that me alone have instituted, in a way he's saying you came from a pure seed, but you decided to get off, so receive the pain. So I want us to understand that the reason God is using deliverance is not because they, they are sharing from the sin of Abraham, of Adam. No, it is that in addition to the sin of Adam, they added their own sin. So what was the point? Number one, that Israel had sinned against God. Sin is any lawlessness against the laws of God. Lawlessness against the commandments of God. Lawlessness against the everything that God has said for you. If you will not walk in their way, then that is called sin. And so it is lawlessness against God. But also they transgressed. Transgression means that it is willful sin. You willfully enter sin. That is transgression. So in addition to being sinful, they willfully sinned against God. And number three, they lived a life of iniquity. Iniquity means you planned, you thought about it, and you did it. You can get a nice example from David when he has sinned against Bathsheba, called the husband, and the husband is not willing to sin the way he has sinned. He plans, he writes a letter, sends it to Joab, and finally he is killed on the front line. That is iniquity because you have planned it. So Israel had sinned, had transgressed, had entered into iniquities. So when God is afflicting them, he is right. Even us, I want us to look at ourselves. As you pray, I want you to begin to think about your sins, personally as a person, as an individual. What, how have you sinned? I want you to, again, look at yourself. Where do you willfully sin? Where are you transgressing against God? I want you also to look at yourself and begin to wonder, where have you planned evil and you have done it? You plan it in your bed in the morning or in the night. In the morning you wake up, you go ahead and do it. That is what is called iniquities. So meaning that we are not talking about the sins, the transgressions and iniquities of Israel, but we are talking about our personal way of transgressing of iniquities and sinning against God. So where have you sinned? Where have you transgressed? Where have you entered into iniquities? 
that at the end of the day, the cup of suffering is coming your way. Some of us are already walking in the cup of, you know, that pain. And we are pointing fingers. We are saying, my uncle is responsible. My neighbor is responsible. My brother is responsible. These days, many people have taken to, it is my brother, it is my sister who has, you know, um, um, given us to the devil so that he can be rich. No, this is not an effect of sacrifice, somebody sacrificing you. No, it is what exactly you have done. Unless you tell me you have come from heaven like Jesus, but in one way or another, you sin, you enter into transgressions, and in one way or another, you have been in some form of iniquity. And so God, righteous as he is, he does not stand sin. He's not a God who will look on. There will be an affliction that comes your way. So in your suffering, before you point fingers to individuals, I want you to begin to look at yourself. I thank God for Carol. She spent quite a good time in repentance because she knows it is the only way that shackles can be broken. It is the only way that chains can break. It is the only way that the gates and iron uh, uh, fences can be cut and only cut by God himself, not by our own selves. Praise the Lord. Now, so when they sinned, what did they really experience? You know, let's read again in where we were. These people entered into desolations and destruction. These two came upon them. When you read again in, in Isaiah 51, you would understand what exactly came their way. Reading from verse 17 of Isaiah 50, 51, he says, wake up, wake up, O Jerusalem. You have drunk the cup of the Lord's fury. You have drunk the cup of terror, tipping out its last drops. Verse 18, not one of your children is left alive to take your hand and guide you. Verse 19, these two calamities have fallen on you. One, desolation and destruction. Number two, famine and woe. And who is left to sympathize with you? Who is left to comfort you? For you are children have fainted and lie in the streets helpless as antelopes caught in a net the lord has poured out his fury god has rebuked them so i, I want us to understand that we have been on the other side of understanding god that is why we are pointing fingers to witches that is why we are pointing fingers to sorcerers we are our own witches we are our own sorcerers. We are our own diviners. God is not happy with us because you can see here, it was God administering fury, his fury in form of punishment. He says, you have entered into desolations. You have entered into destruction. War has found you. Famine has hit you. All these things have happened to us. Are we any different? So you realize that the only way out is to come before God in repentance. If we want to get out of pain, we need to address our own selves in relation to walking well with God. 
Because scripture asks that what can may a man do to us if God be with us? If God is with you, if God has agreed with you in what you are doing, how would the devil, how would your enemy, how would your witch, how would this sorcerer touch, at, attack you? Because we see Baram, when he intended to curse Israel, and he ended up, you know, blessing them. He wants to curse, but at the end of the day, he's blessing. Until this same witch, this same sorcerer, was able to see Jesus about 800 years before. Jesus is, is you know, Jesus is about 800 years away from Baram. But Baram the sorcerer has seen him because God is on the side of Israel. And Baram is saying, I see them. They are like sand. Actually, they are like a lioness that has killed its own play. Who then can, you know, deal with it? Who can come closer? God was working with them. So when a witch bewitches you, when a sorcerer has his way in your life, when you have been sacrificed, it is because you have opened doors in your life. May God close those open doors. May God show you where you have erred. May God reveal his reveal himself to you. May he open your eyes that you begin to see where your trouble is coming from. So as a result of sin, as a result of transgression, as a result of their iniquities, desolation came upon them, destruction was following, famine had hit them, and war was not far from them. So as a result, there was nobody sympathizing with them. When we are in our problems, people will talk about us and you will hate those people who are talking about you. No, it is part of the administration of judgment of God upon you. There will be nobody to comfort you. Instead, they can only look at you and walk away. You will ask me what that means if you read the book of Job. God had allowed Satan to touch Job. And so the friends of Job, rather than comfort him, they became a thorn in his own flesh. That is part of the pain when God has withdrawn from yourself. So, you know, I want you to begin to look at yourself. If it is true that Israel, the children of God, suffered as such. Yes, he started the nation of Israel, but because they have sinned against him, he allowed all this pain upon them. And remember, by faith, we are also descendants of Abraham through Christ Jesus. And so God is seeing us as the children of Abraham, as he saw the Jews then, is now how he sees us, especially when we begin to enter into salvation. We are Abraham's descendants. And so the way he punished Israel is how he punishes us. So what are your own or family sins? What are your own transgressions? What are your own or your family iniquities that might keep you in perpetual bondage? Unless they are resolved, unless they are removed, unless God gives you the grace, you can be sure this will be upon you. They will be perpetual until you repent. Unfortunately, in our church, except a few small churches here and there, repentance is left to the prayer book where you read two lines and repentance has ended. But that is not how it is. Who knows what you do in the night? Who knows what you do with your phone? Who knows what you do with the internet on your you know, uh, computers and all that in the night? Who understands what is in your mind? Let us get out 
of the old way of doing things and begin to repent of our sins. It is the only way we shall be delivered. So when you enter deliverance sessions, when you come and we are meeting with you, you can be sure the first topic and the last topic will be repentance. You will repent and repent. As long as you ask of the Holy Spirit, as long as you inquire of him, he will tell you where you are again afflicting him. We afflict God. Every sin that we commit is a sin against God. That is why Joseph was telling the wife of uh, Potiphar that, yes, he has entrusted me with everything in the home. But do you want me to touch you knowing he did not entrust you with me? Do you want me to touch you and sin against God? He understood it is not a sin against Potiphar. No, it is a sin against God. And so it is important that we understand it from that perspective. Praise God. So what are your own or family sins? What are your own or uh, family transgressions? What are your own or family iniquities? And I'm addressing me or you from a family perspective because what happens in the family affects you. That is why scripture asks that what can the righteous do if the, if the foundations be destroyed in Psalms 11 verse 3? That what can the righteous do if the foundations be destroyed? You, you will be born again. But when they are sacrificing, when they are doing idolatry, when they are worshiping spirits, when they are eating and celebrating the spirits, they will put a plate for you. They will say Jane was with us. They will say John was with us. That is why you will see a bishop falling for fornication, which is impossible. It should never be because he has a wife, because he has a responsibility as a leader in the church. That is why you see a pastor struggling with, you know, fornication. It is a sign that the spirits at home are saying, uh -uh, as we are fornicators, as we are thieves, and he begins to steal from the offertory basket. Because the family is doing those things and they are affecting us. We are part of a family. We cannot be islands of our own selves. We are in a blood relationship. And so this is why you see me asking your own and your family sin, transgression, or iniquity. Now, I want you to know what happens in our homes. Maybe your problem is idolatry or the worship of spirits. These days, we have it in different forms. Technology has advanced idolatry and we have really worshipped the idols of technology, including our own phones, including our own vehicles, including our own houses. You put a lot of and all your time on work, you forget God. It is as if God only helped you to reach at the job and once you are there, God is not in the equation. No wonder in the parliament of Uganda, you cannot hear a prayer in the name of Jesus. Yet, when they are campaigning, you are praying to them. They come to churches. You pray to them, for them, to God. You pray for them, to God, in the name of Jesus. But when they reach parliament, the name of Jesus Christ is an embarrassment. That is the trouble that we have. Maybe you have been in idolatry, the worship of other gods that God hates. You have been worshiping spirits. You have been in witchcraft or sorcery yourself, or you have consulted a witch, or you have consulted a sorcerer, and God is now not happy with you. The other way that we sin by, you know, transgression and iniquity 
the old thing that I call sin. Maybe look at Nyege Nyege. You could have been excited about Nyege Nyege and so you sinned against God that way. What much, how much more it is going to be for the organizers? If a thinking about Nyege Nyege in a positive direction for it causes you, you know, to be in affliction, to afflict God, how about the organizers? How about those who fully participated? How about our nation? These are areas that we need to bring before God in prayer and God will forgive us and the affliction drinking up to the last drop will not be our portion in the name of Jesus. I want you to again think about the evil covenants, the evil agreements and the vows that our parents and ourselves sometimes have entered into. Though we tend to blame most of our troubles onto our families, but in most cases, it is ourselves. You have entered into an evil covenant and God is seeing you there. Remember, he does not sleep. He doesn't slumber. He's watching. His spirit is there. That is why uh, Elisha told his, uh, his, his helper, Gehazi, he said, wasn't my spirit with you when you went to pick things from him, from, from that uh, uh, wicked man who had, you know, leprosy. Let his leprosy be yours for life. Wasn't my spirit with you when you went? God's spirit is in us. And so he monitors us on every, on every moment, not by way of looking for our sins, but that is how he works with us. So when you enter an evil covenant, he's watching. So as you repent, I want you to look back and see where you could have been an evil covenant, where you could have entered a wicked agreement. Sometimes we enter agreements unknowingly, and yet they are connecting us to the devil. And so God will surely afflict us. Sometimes we make wicked vows. These ones are serious in our lives. So our foundations sometimes have the devil himself. That is why God was saying in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 1 up to 3, that your father was an Amorite, your mother was a Hittite. For us, when we look back, at least a generation behind, they were idol worshippers. And so you are not any clean. The best way you can do is to go back to God in prayer. If you need deliverance, you have to address the foundational questions in your life. Maybe you have fornicated in your mind or physically. Maybe you are running with unforgiveness. You are walking the streets, but unforgiveness is killing you. When you are walking, you are talking to yourself. People can be walking next to you and you are hitting them with the fists. Because in your mind, there is a war of unforgiveness. In your mind, there is bitterness. Yes, anger is riding you crazy. These are areas that will lock us and God will allow affliction until that day when you drop them. So as we ask God for deliverance, I am praying that you do a thorough check of yourself. Maybe you have entered human sacrifice, not physically, but you have shared from the benefits of those that did you know, human sacrifice, but others have physically involved themselves in there. You have been involved in abortions. You are aborting your own grandchildren. You are aborting other people's grandchildren. And so you have a case before God. And God, being our father, he will surely punish us. May God forgive us. Maybe you have abated corruption or you have been involved as a person 
these are the sins, some of them that have kept us in bondage. May God release us. As I wind up, we'll now look once again at the scripture that we read. Once, for example, you have all these that I've mentioned and many more that I've not mentioned. You have been in idolatry. You have been in idol worship. You, sorry, you have been worshiping spirits of the dead. These days, you get nimbes, so huge functions, but you are worshiping the spirits of the dead. You have been in witchcraft, or you have shared from the proceeds of witchcraft or sorcery. You were part and parcel of the nyege nyege, that wickedness that came over our nation. You supported it, you campaigned for it, you worked hard, or you involved yourself physically. You have entered into evil covenants. You are in wicked agreements and wicked vows. You have fornicated, unforgiveness, bitterness, jealous, covetousness. All these things are running in you. Once you have those things, number one, then, and I will read from scripture. He said in Isaiah 52 verse 1, wake up, wake up Zion. Clothe yourself with strength. He says, Clothe yourself with strength. Once you have sinned and you have all those things against you, you don't have strength. You have no strength, even in your salvation. You have no strength, even in ministry. Your per capita output is very low. You are really very weak. That's the problem. We need to understand this so much that your strength is in your purity. Your strength is in your holiness. Your strength is in your righteousness. Though there is no righteousness of man, because it is imputed upon us by God himself when he sees us struggling to get that place, once you are not in that area, you are really weak, you are fresh. Once you have seen the way I have been outlining out there, then again in scripture, he is saying, put on your beautiful clothes, O holy Jerusalem. For you, even when you have a full armor, like is meant to protect you. Yours will be having holes. You know, Goliath came against uh, uh, David because he knew he had full armor, but there were holes. There was a hole in the middle of his, of his face. And that is how the stone sank into his car and killed him. So you, you will not actually have strength, whether in work, whether in ministry, whether in your salvation. And then, even when you have an armor, it has holes. You will be poked here and there. The, the wheels of the enemy, the arrows of the devil will enter because you have holes. Now, the scripture still continues that for unclean and godless people will enter your gates no longer. But for you, because of sin, then there will be successful enemy attacks on you and they will be frequent. Time and again, you'll be in pain because your armor has holes in it because then the enemy watches and picks you time and again. Once you have been involved in sin, let's read also, he says, rise up. He says, rise from the dust, O Jerusalem. Sit in a place of honor. Remove the chains of slavery from your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. But for you, you will always be in the dust. That is a place of shame. Dust is a place of embarrassment. When used in the sense of repentance, it is 
you know, you are saying, look at me, I am this dirty. Look at me, I am this sinful. So as for you, you will be in the dust. So it will be a place of disgrace. It will be a place of shame. It will be a place of embarrassment. That will be your portion. It will be a place of affliction. You'll be talking about this pain. You'll be talking about that pain. And finally, when you are in that state of sin, you will have no place of honor. He's saying that come to your place of honor. That is what scripture is telling us. But for you, you'll have no place of honor. Whether in ministry, you'll be having issues. Whether in marriage, there will be a problem. Whether in business, issues will be coming up. Whether career, you have no place of honor. You will have no fruit of womb even when you are married. Or marriage will be something that never comes close. May God deliver us. This pain shall be removed. This pain shall be removed in Jesus' name. This pain shall be removed. By the Spirit says the Lord, this mountain shall be removed. This mountain shall be removed in Jesus' name. This mountain shall be removed. By the Spirit says the Lord, Father God Almighty, there are mountains before us. The pains are on. Yes, challenges have come. Burdens are with us. But thank you, our Father, that they indeed they will be removed. Not a single one of them will stand. For when you are for us, who then can be against us? I give you thanks. I give you praise. Lord, even as we go into the place of prayer and intercession, may you come down in a powerful way. May you dress your servant that she will come up with that which you desire your children to repent, to pray about, to petition to our God and our Father. Lord, the ears that have heard this teaching, I pray that you begin to alert them, that you continue to minister to their hearts today, even in the future to begin to see where they have sinned against you, to begin to know their transgressions, to begin to know their iniquities so that they come before you as miserable sinners ready for forgiveness, that they will not come to you as the Pharisee who said, look, I'm not like that tax collector, me, I turn, I fast. Rather, they will appear before you as a tax collector beating their, their breasts saying, I don't even have the strength and courage to look up in heaven. Blessed be your holy name. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we have prayed. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Thank you, our brother David, for sharing with us and accepting to be used of the Lord. We come now before the Lord in repentance. Father, Lord, we thank you that this month of October, you have purposed that, Lord God Almighty, your church shall arise and shine. We come to you, Lord God Almighty, again, to thank you that even this morning, you have asked us again in your word in Isaiah 52, 
that we should arise and shine, put on our clothes of garments of splendor, that we should wake up. You have sent us another wake-up call. And so, Lord God Almighty, we come to you to say, yes, Lord, we have been asleep. We have been complacent. We have, oh God, compromised in different ways. In the ways we have responded to your word, in the way, Lord God Almighty, we have sought your face, in the way we have executed the different assignments that you have given us. We have operated as mediocres in the kingdom. And in so doing, indeed, our armor has been perforated. Our armor have, has holes. And when we go into the battlefield, we are easily defeated. Father, we come to repent. We come to ask for forgiveness. We come to say, Lord, we have lost our way in many ways. Lord God Almighty, that we have sunk into, into the dust, Lord God, my Father. We have accepted oppression. We have even, King of Glory, failed to argue our case in your presence because, Lord God Almighty, we have nowhere to begin. Father, have mercy on us. We come, Lord God Almighty, in the name of Jesus, the name above every name, the name above the dust that we sit upon, the name above every oppression, the name above every iniquity, sin or covet, covenants of wickedness. We come, Lord God Almighty, in that name, the name that shines in the darkness, that illuminates our understanding to show us where we have gone wrong. We come in that name, Lord God Almighty, that releases the power of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, in our lives, to point us in the direction where you want us to go, to give us a new hope. We come in that name that we shall again receive that this hope and come to the place where you want us to be. Lord, you are our God. We thank you. We bless you. We exalt you for this message this morning. Father, Lord, you have taken us again to the foundations. You are opening up places that we had closed in our minds, in our spirit, in our soul. That, Father, we shall walk into those places and have a cleansing, Lord God Almighty, a sanctification. That those places will no longer be hidden to us. We shall not ship them under the carpet. Lord God Almighty, over our lives, but that we shall take out every dirt, we shall be cleansed, that we shall come to the place where you want us to be as a royal priesthood. Blessed Lord, King of Kings, we come to you and say, yes, we have failed in many ways. We are asking for your strength. On our own, we can do nothing. On our own, we can do nothing because our wisdom, our knowledge and our understanding has brought us to a place of shame, to a place of dust, to a place of oppression. In our understanding, in our experiences, we have instead opened the doors to wickedness. And that wickedness has been re reinforced by the forces of wickedness, which are demons masquerading, ensuring that we will not come out of a place of oppression. But we come to you knowing fully well that Jesus said it is finished upon the cross. We come in the promise of that word, it is finished. We come to repent in that promise, Lord God Almighty, that this wickedness, this oppression is finished. That today, Lord God Almighty, we shall come out of this wickedness wickedness. You are waiting for us to repent, oh God, that we shall be a repentant people. We shall be a people who seek your face in every way. And so, Lord, we come to you, Lord God Almighty, to ask for help 
from you, Holy Spirit, to help us arise out of this captivity. Lord, give us your strategy of excellence. Father, over oppression and captivity, Lord God Almighty, Ebola has come out, Lord God, my Father. The long-term effects of Nyege Nyege, oh God, the long-term effects of COVID-19. Father, Lord God Almighty, and yet out of all this situation, people have come out even more corrupt, more crafty in doing wickedness, Lord God, my Father. Father, King of glory, help us to come out of the spirit of jealousy, the spirit of Absalom, Lord God Almighty, in the church, undermining our leaders in, in the place of work, undermining our superiors in the family, undermining the head of the home. Father, King of glory, undermining each other in fellowship, Father, we come to you and say, Lord, have mercy. We repent, Lord God, my Father. We repent, Lord God Almighty, because King of Glory, this cup of terror is upon us. The cup of judgment has been unleashed upon us because, Lord God Almighty, your word is clear that judgment will begin in the house of the Lord. And so, Lord God, my Father, we have a testimony of oppression and others run away from us. Others look at us and say, if that is Carol, who is born again and is suffering like this, why should I come into salvation? Today, I ask for God for mercy. I ask for God for forgiveness for all those who are on Lord God Almighty in this platform, plus everyone whom we represent, whether by workplace, whether by family, whether by tribe, by nation, Lord God Almighty, King of Glory, we are asking for forgiveness. Deliver us. Oh Lord, deliver us from these judgments. King of glory, Lord God, my Father, we ask for forgiveness. We ask, oh Lord, for, that you release to us mercy. We have given man and wickedness a hold over us. We have become defiled because we have become unevenly yoked with non-believers. They have infiltrated us. We have opened doors to wickedness and the enemy has sealed it. Today we come to call upon the lamb on the throne who shed his blood for us, the Lion of Judah, to break every seal that the enemy has put over our lives, Lord God Almighty, on the mountain of family, on the mountain of education, on the church, on government, Lord God Almighty, King of Kings, in health, Lord God Almighty, in every sphere, Lord God, my Father. We come to you and ask that the blood of Jesus break every hold over the wickedness that is over our children. Lord God Almighty, and to restore us to the place to carry out your great commission, to become again vessels and to honor. Lord, we are asking for mercy. Lord Jesus, we are asking for mercy. Holy Spirit, we are asking for mercy because we have walked in step with the wicked. We have walked as thieves. We have stood in the way of sinners. We have even become murderers, participating in abortion and killing other people with our own tongue. Father, we have sat in the company of mockers. We have become liars. The word that you have taught us, Lord God Almighty, we have turned it into a joke wherever we have gone. Father, we do not even fear your word, and yet you honor it even as you honor your name. Father, have mercy on us. We come to you. We are asking, Lord God Almighty, forgive us. We have attracted your wrath. We have attracted your wrath, oh God, as a church. Father, we come to you and say, Lord, like Moses pleaded for the children of Israel, we are also pleading that, Father, do not destroy us. What will the wicked say? What will the wicked say concerning us, Lord God Almighty, your children? If you destroy us, oh God, we are asking for forgiveness, but above all, we are asking for the strength to become obedient, obedient to your word. 
And so, Lord, we come to ask to thank you for the word that we have received today. We come to receive this hope, Lord God Almighty. We come to say, Lord God Almighty, we return. Wash us with the washing of the blood of Jesus. Restore us that we shall again become vessels unto honor before you. Restore us, Lord God Almighty, to be planted by your river of living water, that we too can bear fruit in season and out of season, that we shall be a source, vessels of healing to your people, to the church, to the nation. We come to you this morning to seek new garments, Lord God Almighty. When the devil was accusing Joshua in Zechariah 3, Lord God, my father, you posted an angel to remove every dirty turban over him and his clothing. Today we also come and say, Lord, post your angels, post the head of host of heaven, cleanse us, give us new clothing, oh God, that we shall again become that royal priesthood to scatter the accuser, giving us, Lord God Almighty, an age of our wickedness for the glory of your name. Lord, we come to ask for your strength. Sanctify us, O oh Lord. Lord, we come to you, King of glory, to ask that you dress us again in the entire armor of God without any holes, without any perforations. Lord God Almighty, that we will, oh God, demolish every scheme, every plot, every attack of the enemy, that we shall destroy the armies of wickedness. That, Lord God Almighty, we shall ride under the banner of Christ, the banner of victory, victory over corruption, over infirmity, over poverty and lack, Victory over retrogression, victory over the traps of the enemy. And Lord God Almighty, bring this, this victory to bear in the church and even among non-believers. Lord, we desire to be bearers of good news. We desire, Lord God Almighty, to cause every place that we go to become beautiful for you, to become transformed, oh God. We declare to bring your shalom, your peace to your people. Father, we be, declare, we desire to bring good news, good tidings, declaring that our Lord reigns, our Lord reigns, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so, Lord, as we go out today, we ask that King of glory, this word will remain in our hearts. It will bear fruit, Lord God Almighty, that indeed as the theme is arise and shine, that Lord God Almighty, you be your people, will arise and shine, become the light to the world and the salt of the earth. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen.